Wait for it, wait for it, and we're live. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans and one chaos coordinator who's MIA today. She's busy packing up. I don't know if you follow Nick on social media, but they're in the midst of moving between places. Uh, So you're just going to have Nick and I, the original duo, geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to let our guest, the one, the only, Miss Ingrid Moon, introduce herself. Well, hello. Um, I'm Ingrid Moon. Uh, I'm an educator. I'm a backyard scientist, scientist, singular. And uh, I'm the author of a science fiction novel called The Handler's Gambit. I like that. What exactly is a backyard scientist? Uh, It's somebody who doesn't get paid to do science, but does lots of science. Like, I've sent two uh, experiments to the International Space Station. Oh, nice. They weren't really mine. I was the overseer, but... Did you get to wear a cool lab coat and the goggles? I always wear a cool lab coat, but I don't do the goggles. Yeah. I have glasses. That's good enough. <laughs> the goggles I feel at the range. It's like, I got glasses. I don't need a the lab with the, the creamy donut uh, while the kids are dissecting frogs. Nice. Yeah. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, mm, what? I'm eating. <laughs> Formaldehyde is just a flavor enhancer. Yeah. Fortunately, it really it's, anymore. it's formalin, but it still stinks. Oh, they don't yeah. use formaldehyde anymore? Mm-mm. Why, why not? Because uh, formalin's better? I don't know. <laughs> that works. We're just going to smile and nod and pretend. And if, if you know the real reason, dear listener, dear viewer, <laughs> comment and let us know. And we'll all learn yeah. something today. Yeah, let us know. So the next part of the introduction, dear listener, dear viewer, is how we first found them. So this one was easy. Uh, Ingrid reached out to me because she followed the, the website where I listened to my reviews and said, hey, you haven't posted it in a while. I got any recommendations? I need to read something. And I said, oh, by the way, we're doing it over at Upstream. And then she said, hey, you want to read my book? And I'm like, well, I don't know how much time I have till it comes out on audiobook because that's where I do most of my reading. Although I'm told it is being produced, right? Yes. Definitely but until then, why don't you come on the podcast and get nerdy with us? And then when we when I stalked her, as you do to prep for an interview, I saw that she was a member of a certain secret society that Nick is also a part of. And so I knew it would be a hit. So you want to tell us about the secret society? Me or Nick? Me? Either uh, one. The, five, the 501st Legion. 501st Legion, I don't everybody just calls it different things. Um, you know, it's a Star Wars costuming group that does uh, a lot of charity events and uh, good causes. <laughs> I, I, that That's the, the uh, well, it used to be the unofficial motto. I think there's they use that as the official motto now. Bad guys doing good. Who said that? Yeah. Who said they were the bad guys? Exactly. I mean, I'll, I'll hold that well, the Jedi were terrorists. They kidnapped young children. They, uh, they did. That's why we send them to the Rebel Legion. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that a there, there's a, a mere costuming group. We all kind of work together. We, well, I haven't I haven't trooped in a very long time, um, so I don't I don't think things have changed that much. Where the Rebel Legion and uh, um, Bible First Vader's Fist, they still troop together because it just adds more characters and adds more to the. And the Mando Mandalorian Mercs, and we have the Droid Builders Clubs as well. Droid Builders, so we've got one happy family. I was part of the uh, the Pathfinders because I was a biker scout. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was so what are Central the California Garrison? Are they actually building functioning robots? Because that would be totally yeah. cool. Yeah, R fives, R twos. I think someone's has an IT eighty eight. Yeah, they, 
These guys are amazing yeah. builders. There was a guy in England that built an AT-AT in his backyard for a treehouse for his kid. But it like moved oh. a few steps forward, a few steps. I mean, you didn't have a huge yard, so it's only going so far. But it would walk right. a few steps forward and a few steps back. And it, it was pretty cool inside. The kid's got to be the coolest kid in the neighborhood. Right. But I'm, I'm going to let everybody in on a secret. You could build a gonk droid just by going to like Home Depot or Lowe's. Everything's there. So Wait, really? if you want a, yeah, everything that they used to build the gonk droid is there at any uh, hardware store. I built one out of Lego. Does that count? Absolutely. Yeah, that definitely counts. Uh, chassis, and then I built a little, you have a little slanty, and I did. Oh, not the gonk. That was the, I'm thinking mouse droid. A mouse droid. Oh, yeah. Not too big. Um, and they sell kits for mouse droids, little RC mouse droids. On, or you can, can, can you just go to Disneyland droid? and, oh, yeah. You can do any, you can battle bot anything if you're clever enough. <laughs> nice. And you don't care if it gets destroyed. Yeah, destruction's part of the fun, though, right? It's part of the cycle of life. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like it. Yeah, so there's there's been a couple people that have built some. There's a guy in Texas that was doing it in a garage. He bought um, three units of a, um, a long-term storage-type facility, and he was building a, a scale replica of the Millennium Falcon inside based wow. on the specs listed in the, the lore. Not the ones from the movie cockpit, but the actual specs. It's not the, 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 the table, I, got, I got the toy. And that. Coffee table books. Yeah. What's that? Uh, the, the coffee table books have all the specs in them and stuff. I don't know which ones yeah. or which. But he didn't say, and I didn't know enough to, to pay attention to those details. I just know it was huge, and he was doing it. And much like NASA, most of those buttons did nothing. <laughs> oh, I'm convinced that half those buttons on the space shuttle, they add just so they can charge more, and they don't actually do anything. I think for it to get into the – well, probably Rebel Legion since it's a Millennium Falcon. It has to make the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs, yeah. which is a unit of, a unit of not a unit of time. Okay, but I mean... I was 25 years old when I learned that. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, it sounds stupid. I have this idea that's been floating in my head for a while, and I'm not quite skilled enough to pull it off yet, but I have an idea of like aliens come to earth because they're pacifists and they need fighters. And they, because they read our like internet type stuff, they think like the Royal Manicorian Navy and the Star Trek people and the galaxy quest, like all Histor these historical documents. Yeah. <laughs> they think all these, these uh, naval and fighter organizations are real. So they like start recruiting all these, like, and they're just going to get a bunch of rednecks like me with guns. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. But, <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I mean, I can put the armor on. It, it's not functional, but it'll look scary. Well, just like in the movies, if you hit a stormtrooper with just the slightest little tiny bit of laser, you're going to knock them down. So that'll be the end of that. Someone made a Kevlar Mandalorian out of like stuff that's available. Like it made wow. that. It was Kevlar Mandalorian face mask. So it had the T visor. And nice. it, it looked, I mean, it was. It was a merger of Tactical with Mando, and it was amazing. It was also like five grand to get that kit. Yeah. So, <laughs> so do, you, do you know who Mikey it, it protected all the soft bits. That's important. Do you know who Mikey Mason is? Yeah. He wrote a song about me. Did you know that? Too Fat to True. Uh, me. I did not know that. It's true story. It's not me. True story. It's uh, that's where the joke where that's where Perkins came from because he was too fat to join the stormtroopers. He failed out of the uh, Imperial Navy Academy. Yeah, he was too fat to be a stormtrooper, and he was uh, and they so he couldn't do that. And so since he failed out of the flight academy, that's how he ended up on the rebel side. 
dying gloriously for the rebel cause. Well, at least you still got to be a pilot. Um, he could have been infantry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that was the joke was he was too fat to be in the infantry. <laughs> uh, you're never too, too big for that. They'll make sure of it. Yeah, if there's well, 80 pounds on your back. Get walking. Yeah, that, that is the true story. That is, uh, do the Farford Newton run at training where you're the, the fat guy and playing road guard, sprint to the front. By the time you calm down your panting breath, it's time to do it all over again. Yeah, I spent all, was it 13 weeks of boot camp? Uh, OSUT, was it 11, 13, whatever it was? 13 uh, weeks in. Yeah, all the OSUT, I was the road guard. I lost so much weight at basic training. My mom didn't recognize me. She just looked for white guys with glasses in the right squad and then narrowed it down from there because there were three of us. That's how my mom spotted me out. I had the shaved head. I was in my class A's. And I'm like, just look for the guy in army greens with the BCGs on. She goes, BCGs? Yeah, my birth control glasses. Because no one's going to want to talk to me female-wise if I'm wearing these things. And then I get off the plane and there's five of us running around with bald heads in our A's with BCGs on. So, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, they did when we Yeah, they do. I enlisted in 98. I don't know if they do anymore. Nick, when Now it's probably... Uh, I joined in 96. I was in, so I showed up in October in 96. I I remember when I enlisted, CNN did the special that world peace might finally be attainable. My recruiter swore to me that I would only be deployed after the Girl Scouts, but before the Ladies Auxiliary. That was what he told me. That probably sent Salvation Army first. I don't know. (laughs) Is it the Easter Seals? (laughs) The Salvation Army? Anyway, anyway, all right. They guaranteed I was going somewhere at some time. They're like, would you sign up for it? I'm like, I have an Airborne Ranger contract. They're like, I hope you like war. Like, okay. <laughs> so so speaking of war, how did you get into the 501st? Um, it's a long story, but I was at a San Diego Comic-Con, and we just were walking around, hanging out, my husband and I, um, and I walked out where they were doing the photo shoot. And I think every year we kind of went and did the photo shoot. But one time... <laughs> Uh, they had a big group and they were doing their buckets off, which they take their helmets off. Mm-hmm. And there was a girl, it was a stormtrooper and her blonde hair came cascading down and whatever. And I was just like, Oh, Girls <laughs> I can do, can do that. that. <laughs> so the sex so is, it was like only boys are stormtroopers, but no, oh, no, there's plenty of them. Do you, do you troop as a stormtrooper? Not anymore because I've kind of outgrown the plastic, but uh, yeah, I feel the same. It hangs in a mannequin in my living room now. I call him George. (laughs) I was the first uh, Captain Phasma in the Legion. Um, Oh, nice! Built the CRL and everything, and um, I have lots of great pictures of that. But I lost half of those, half my fingers and my foot armor and whatnot in the Hollywood Christmas parade a few years ago. And I'm just like, "Uh, (laughs) I don't need to wear that anymore. I I used to. so I did the biker scout. I was TB one nine seven eight, and then I got a hold of Maul, being Darth Maul for a while, and I stopped doing that when I gave a very elderly Korean lady a mitocardial infarction as a because we were at a um for a, it was when episode two came out, so we were doing a theater appearance, and for the movie star, we were like, hey, let's go get dinner. So we walk down the street and everyone else is just, you know, buckets off, whatever. There's no buckets off when you're mall. I mean, you got the contacts, you got the horns, the teeth are all blackened out. You look like a demon. And I walked in and she was like, ah! and she fell to the ground. I felt so bad. I didn't even eat. Like I was, I was the saddest Darth Maul ever. I was just like, I can't believe I gave this woman a heart attack. So I was like, never again. 
even yeah. though it's the most comfortable outfit to troop in. Is it? I would think the Navy yeah. officer ones, they look the most comfortable. They're just wearing a jumpsuit, basically, right? Well. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's, one that fits. There's people that get hardcore, and it's wool, because it was wool in the movies. So if you're wearing wool yeah, in the summertime, and you're trooping, you're going to be a sweaty mess. Interesting. True story. I have an officer uniform, but it's um, uh, not approved yet, so I'm not using it yet. <laughs> I think I'm waiting for something. Yeah. I can't remember what. What, uh, what does it take to get them approved? Um, a lot of very uh, particular details need to be met according to a very nitpicky list, which we call the CRL, the Costuming Reference Library. I can't remember the which was and, not a thing when I joined. Oh, oh, it's, oh, it's, and it's, it gets to the point we have like, there's sort of like elitist people who are like, if you don't look exactly like you walked off the movie set and blah, blah. And then there's the other half where like, I look like a stormtrooper. People think I'm a stormtrooper. I think it look great. It's good enough. So there's a kind of an in-between depending on how um, particular people there was, want to get there. There was a time where it was paper mache armor that, and it looked screen accurate and it got approved. Yeah. Why not? If it looks accurate. Doesn't yeah. nobody says it has to be plastic or ABS, right? Right. There's no guidelines on that. Right. So, do the does the new order get their own club, or do they just fall on fall into the five hundred first? Oh, the first order. Yeah. They're under. The I don't. I don't recognize them. Like I don't recognize. <laughs> don't recognize the movies, so I don't recognize the the first order either. That that was fanfic, and it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I was really disappointed with what they did with Captain Phasma too, because before we even knew it was a woman, before we even knew what she was supposed to be doing, there were some great photos of the from of scenes that we were like, "Oh, that's badass!" Right? And I was like, "I'm gonna be that. I'm gonna be that person." And then we turned out, you know, it's a woman and blah blah blah. And I was like, "Oh, and it's Captain," which I'm always the Captain, so Captain, awesome. And then punked nothing. Punked. Yeah, the biggest <laughs> one of the biggest letdowns in that series. Huge, huge letdown. You and set up Finn, you, you set up Phasma, and we were just let down. Yeah. That's how I feel anyway. Like you, you I was hype at all these the characters up. premiere of episode seven. Um, George Lucas was a few rows behind me. Um, I could hear his disappointment just floating down. <laughs> he was probably like... I, I, was I don't know if the it. money was worth it. <laughs> they killed yeah. my legacy. The yeah. coolest the coolest character in The Force Awakens was TR8R, you know, traitor. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking how cool it would be because you could get away with, with – that's the, one of the few times you saw them without the helmet, an actual stormtrooper, when he took his off. Yeah. Uh, Finn, yes. Yeah, so you could get away with, like, not wearing the helmet if you wanted to and breathe. Uh, Only for that character. <laughs> oh, nobody else could get away with it? I mean – depends on how much you want to break reality because like when when you're around a whole lot of people who really are seeing you as one of these characters you don't want to break character right you want to okay. there's no fourth wall so you want to make sure you stay out of sight if you take your helmet off but there are other times especially in like a convention where it's huge and you can't breathe as it is and whatever and you're just like whatever i'm gonna walk around with my helmet off and and why not because stormtroopers would walk around with their helmet off and that whole thing and like why did you take your helmet off bs man what do you mean what do you walk and then I'm totally getting ahead of myself with all chunky here. The um, <laughs> Mandalorian, uh, right? They couldn't take their helmets off. I'm like, that is so not what? Who who made this stupid thing up? I'm trying to say that as yeah. well. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad. 
We try not to cuss because we try to be family friendly, but stuff happens. Uh, I mean, don't go beat yourself I, off. I can still you. try. Yeah, we'll say shit every once in a while. And we don't we don't censor the guests. So unless there's an absolute reason, we don't like we don't edit. We're good. Yeah, we, so we would like to say because we're trying to be in uh, show integrity to the uh, the truth of the interview, but mostly editing takes time, and I'm lazy, so <laughs> it's true. You just yeah, have to bleep, 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 bleep. Yeah, well, we've we've had to interview. So we edited we edited one interview because the CIA was like, uh, "Yeah, that joke, no," because I thought <laughs> the guy was just a contractor, and so I made the joke that he worked for the CIA. And he called and he's like, yeah, my boss want to talk to you. And then there was just somebody and it was like, yeah, no, edit that out. I'm like, okay, first interview I've ever edited, but we're doing this because, you okay. know, reasons. and then we've edited a couple of them when we had uh, Stabby's niece on and uh, she was a minor and we thought she had asked her parents. So we were good. Turns out no. So we just blurred her face. We're like, okay, so now she's going to be like, you know. Blurred. We're gonna try and change the voice. It's gonna be very uh, deep throat, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, basically. And I made Marissa do that because you know delegation is the key. She did. Trooper. She likes learning new stuff. She goes, oh, challenge video editing. I'm on it. Yeah. So pretty much. I, I'd be in here drawing in the office. I'm like, what are you doing, sweetie? She's like, I'm trying to edit this, and I'm trying to get in some voice modulation too. So you can't even tell by voice that it's her. And I'm like, you're going. You know what? Keep going. <laughs> That's what we said. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty. So if you're ever on the run and you need somebody with Witsec type skills to hook you up, Stabby's got you. Yeah, St Stabby's got you for a fee. <laughs> if you can find them, you know it's like the A team. If you can find them, and the price is right, you could hire Stabby voice modulation. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. We've, we've gotten far afield. We can't dig into your book before first we ask the religion questions. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> oh, you haven't gotten religion yet? Man, time no. flies when you're having fun. Yeah, absolutely. I knew you'd like her. All right. Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? You're going to – so despite all of my Star Wars background and love and all that stuff, I'm a Firefly fan. Brown coats forever. So, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what's funny is I don't think I've seen the show or like even thought about it much in the last several – years but i that's that's one of the best shows ever made and so uh, that's all it unfortunately it was produced by fox where good shows go to die that is where good shows go to well now isn't fox owned by disney so now they go, they get revived as stupidness uh, yeah okay. i mean okay. they killed terra nova too i mean boys dinosaurs guns like it had everything my adolescent self would have loved and i watched it as an adult with no shame with my kids and of course they canceled that one on a cliffhanger too you can end series if you at least give me an ending. Right. They don't, don't like mean, ending Quantum Leap with he, before he gets home. I don't think they even finished the season of Firefly. It was like episode they, they, 13 or 14. And I, I think there were them, but there's, there's two other episodes that they never that never yeah. originally aired, and now you can watch them in streaming. So there's technically 16 episodes. I think um, you get them in the box set too, can't you? Yeah, yeah, it comes in the box set too. And then the season finale or the series finale, which was technically going to be season two is the movie serenity and then you have the comic books that that fill kind of fill the gaps but they can never take episodes we should have a firefly episode yeah we did start right? oh well we've did we talk about i don't think we've done a full firefly episode we have not i, I know we've discussed it at nauseum throughout things but to have an actually Focused topic of Firefly. I mean, 
count me in, dude. Do it. We'll and, talk about um, what the original episode that aired compared to what it was supposed to be. And oh, I'll get nerdy on that all day. Absolutely. Uh, Michael LaVoice knows one of the voice actors that did uh, Battletech. So he's trying to arrange that with us, too. So we can nice. get nerdy about giant robots that go punchy punch and kill each other and shoot each other. I mean, Michael knows everybody. Dude's got like a magic Rolodex. And for you kids that don't know what it is, look it up. If you have questions and you can't figure out what a Rolodex is, email us. Oh, yeah, it's right next to your dial phone. <laughs> right. It's right next to the kitchen phone, which was yellow and had a very long cord. <laughs> no, you can't uh, find that phone because it's all the way extended into your sister's bedroom. Yes. <laughs> Upstairs, too, which was impressive. Like, so the uh, during COVID times, I actually was going to the, to the liquor store because for whatever reason, they were considered an essential business, but other places, anyway. Damn right uh, they were. Damn right. So I was at the the liquor store and they were carting everyone. I mean, it's been a long time since I was 21, but they were carting me. And I was going through my wallet because I couldn't find my ID card because I, I hadn't gotten a better wallet that actually organized things. And as I'm pulling out all the cards, I've got bank cards and Lowe's card. I found my Blockbuster card. By the time I got oh. to that, she's like, you're old enough here. Pay for your booze. <laughs> let's go. Like, uh, oh, never mind. We know. We know. It's like, is it to the only surviving blockbuster which is in like illinois or something like that there's one blockbuster left is they were talked years ago about turning that into a bed and breakfast too like a blockbuster movie rental and themed bed and breakfast i would totally road trip there to to have that experience and be like listen kids this is this was my friday nights growing up that's what they were they were doing themed rooms like 80s action and 90s whatever like like they they were they had whole plans for it. Of course, I don't know if that was internet lore or if that was really they were going to do that. Yeah, I totally road trip. I don't know. I that is a million dollar idea, you know. Because it as soon as I walk in, I'm like, oh, I'm once again on um, Sullivan Street, and right. I mean, there's no Chinese food place next door, but there's pizza, and I'll take that. You know, because that was Friday nights. It was either Chinese or pizza. It was like the only night of the week we ate out. I'll say it was the the rectangle pizzas from Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza, and you got the little <laughs> yeah. guy. My, my parents used to get the the Little Caesars pizza as a uh, and one of their friend's oldest daughter would babysit and her sisters would hang out with my sisters and I would just play Legos or whatever. There's nothing wrong with Little Caesars pizza except no. for when you need to reheat it. When it's fresh, it is it's good. Yeah, they got really I, I'll, I'll fight people over that one. I'll fight people. They got expensive. If you want quality pizza that's not that expensive, uh, at this point in, in time, I actually go to Sam's Club and I'll get the members mark. That they cook there. We we did a Walmart one, which is the same thing. Yeah, same company. Thing. So so what's your go-to for pizza? Um I'm not a pizza fan, so what? I would never go to pizza. But you know, the end of the interview, know, she like, hit she was hitting all the marks and then not a fan <laughs> of pizza. I mean, we gotta end this interview right now. When I, I actually when I'm I teaching kids and we have to get to know you, and it's always like, What's your favorite food? What's your favorite whatever? And all the kids are like, Oh, pizza, cheeseburger, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like Pizza, ew! <laughs> Un- uncultured swine. So, so what is your go-to food then? Um, cheeseburgers, probably. Ice cream. Where from? Cake. I actually paid for one of my summers in, in college. I worked uh, construction. I built a California pizza kitchen. So we go there a lot. My son likes that. So 
I called it yuppie pizza, but I actually have my blood is in their grease trap because uh, I was a day laborer. I was the at 19. I was the day labor foreman because the requirement that set me above everyone else is I was there and sober. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of people with addiction issues because they paid cash at the end of the day. And he had really the had that bar high. Yeah, he had the two by four on his shoulder and he turned around because somebody called his name and smacked me in the head and then knocked me four feet down into the the pre-dug drainage ditch because you have to have like layers of sand and rock and sand and rock for grease. JR, this explains so much now. Yeah. <laughs> I heard this story. Well, this the guy that I worked for was from Boston. So he would bring us everything bagels in the morning from like the lo local Jewish uh, bakery or bread place oh, or whatever. So I, a lot was forgiven because he brought me bagels. That's where I learned. Did you not have a Duncan's? But this was like a Jewish like bagel place that was the uh, expansion from a New York City franchise that was just good. Oh this yeah, for May. Oh, they they make good bagels, you know, with the schmear. I don't know what <laughs> it was. I'm shocked sure the guy from Boston didn't find a Dunkin's nearby because they're everywhere on the East Coast. Oh yeah, yeah, there are, well, there was Dunkin's, but that's not what he brought. But uh, it was delicious, so I forgave a lot, and I didn't file an OTRA complaint. I just kept working. <laughs> well, yeah, because bagels. Because bagels and cream cheese. I'll forgive a lot of stuff on the job if there's bagels. I mean, some people have crack addictions. I have bread. <laughs> you know, we do what we got to do. We, not we just any, just not any bread, my friend. An everything bagel. No, they had the cinnamon one. It was like cinnamon and brown sugar crusted over the top. It was so good with a little bit of cream cheese and some locks. No, no, no. That's I'm going to say no to that one. You're missing it's out. Wrong tone. It's the wrong tone. Talking to my guy all wrong here with that. No. So, so I, the reason I ate it is because his wife was on set because they were a company out of Boston that was building it, and his wife was down visiting. So she came with with the bagels one time for lunch. Very pregnant. It was her weird pregnancy craving, and I tried it. And I'm like, oh. you know, this ain't half bad. <laughs> That's what I started eating. I wonder if I'd still like it now that I'm a little bit older and have a more refined palate. Yeah, you might want to try it now and see if you still if it still I, retains its you know specialness. <laughs> Who knows? All right. So I wrote it down. Battletech Firefly. We will have you back for the Firefly episode. But we've got two more religion questions. Are you ready for round uh, two? Okay, round two. Let's round do it. Two. All right. Fight. Game of Thrones, Wheel of Time, or Chronicles of Narnia? I hate Wheel of Time. <laughs> I hate Game of Thrones, so I'm going to have to say it's going to be Narnia, which I grew up on, but not so really. So if you're going to pick an alternative option. What would you pick for your go-to fantasy? <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here in silence on a podcast and like just be silent for the whole time. Um, oh, it happens. I'm, I I don't know. I mean, I'm a Tolkien fan, so probably that was originally. Lord of the Rings. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, oh, there's probably a book sitting right over here next to um, uh, the Pug the Magician, um, Magician Apprentice and Magician Master. I can't remember what his name. Anyway, Magician Apprentice. I know that book. Yeah, I, I grew up reading that stuff, and I love that. By Raymond E. F. Feist? That's it, Feist. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Google for the <laughs> win. Google <laughs> for the win. Normally, Stabby is here Googling for all of us because she's like the – I'm just saying if the FBI ever needed to track someone down, they oh, just yeah. hire her. She would be all over it. We had this idea – for a while to have her because she's so quick on the research it's almost like vh1's pop-up video remember that in the back of the day yeah. so they play like, music video and like all these little factoids would pop up if we had that type of ability with Streamyard, that would be awesome because 
she would be pleased as much. She's like, oh, got a factoid here. Boop, 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 How old are you? I remember when MTV, like this is the question when, when uh, my son asked me this morning how old I was, like as a reference, because uh, they're doing history. And I'm like, I remember when MTV played music videos. <laughs> it was born on my birthday. So. Wow. MTV debuted in August 1st, 1983. I was five years old. I remember watching it. And the first video played was Neo killed the, or video killed the radio star by the buggles. Nice. I was too <laughs> little factoids. Uh, well, 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 I'm a teenager well, then, so you guys are babies. Thank you. We like oh, her. I am. Stay. <laughs> She's a trooper. Of course she can stay. All right. All right. And because we are civilized now, uh, we're no longer knuckle dragging troglodytes. Do you hey. like coffee or tea, and how do you take it? I like a specific brand of coffee. I will drink all day. Um, Is it coffee brand like coffee? Black. Well, what's it called? I know that sometimes you're sponsored by a coffee company, and I don't want to say it if it's going to be a problem. Oh no, they don't care. No, it's not a problem. Excellent. It's Death Wish Coffee, and I particularly Ooh. like. I like Death their coffee. Good. The Bahala Java and the um, chocolate hazelnut. I've had the Valhalla. I haven't had the chocolate hazelnut. So Death Wish Coffee has this unique uh, ability where it will make your inner vibrance align with the great sidereal movement of planets. You will hear colors. You will see sounds. It will be beautiful. You might say, but that's just for when I, beginners. When I, had the Val, when I had a cup of Valhalla coffee at home, I was halfway to work till I realized I forgot my car. I believe it. <laughs> Throw a little Red Bull in there and you're good to go. Oh, dude, you will see dimensions you were not meant to see interdimensional demons i think alex jones talked about them maybe he was just drinking their coffee and he didn't know it they're probably making the frogs gays like he likes to say and i like to ridicule him from you know he's making frogs gay and i'm like that's the weirdest shit ever he probably had some bahala coffee with red he didn't know where the hallucination started and reality ended (laughs) yeah you see vibrations in space time. It's like it's it's stuff Hemingway would have loved to have had when he was writing stuff instead of booze. Most of the people yeah. I know who talk like that, they get into the shrooms real hard. Ooh, yeah, no. So I mean, I, if you want to do the drugs, people, like we're not going to judge you. I'm libertarian enough. I don't care. You do you. Don't make me pay for it. I'm just saying, when you're drug, if you guess wrong, could kill you just cause. Cause mushrooms, maybe you should be a little more careful. Try cracking stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we are oh, not okay. endorsing that. That was a joke, people. Wow. <laughs> We're gonna get a letter. Like, what, what do you want to offer next? Fentanyl? Jesus, man. <laughs> My friend's a physician, and she said, and now I can't remember which one is which. It's it's not as bad to take heroin as it is to take crack or whatever. I can't remember. I'll have to. I'll have to. You know. It, it, to yeah, I guess if you have to put it on a scale but of what. There's this huge like biological reason. Why it's okay to no. do heroin, but not okay to do crack. The only thing I know about drugs is uh, when we were coming. So I was mobilized for my second employment during the the surge with the IRR and all that being called up. And so they were calling a lot of people who thought they had done their time and still owed a little bit. And Uncle Sam said, "Hey, guess what? You're not done yet." Uh, so they lined us up at Fort Leonard Wood. We we're all having to take the P test because you know clearing in processing again and i had a guy next to me drunk off his gourd and another guy on the other side high on meth tweaking like a mother and the first sergeant gets out there with an absolute straight faces congratulations all of you passed your sobriety test we appreciate you staying clean for uncle sam and he did that with a straight face that man could have won and i would not play poker with him after i saw that straight face i just wouldn't do it 
Um, but yeah, so it's it's a, a weird world out there. But if you like coffee, we are sponsored by Coffee Brand Coffee, dear listener, dear viewer. And if you buy their coffee and you use the link down below in the code Podcast Grunts, we do get a little bit of a kickback. So far, your generous purchases have paid for three episodes worth of. Uh, if you divide the cost of number of episodes per year divided by what we pay for our back end stuff, you've paid for three episodes, and we appreciate you. Like you are doing. I would say the Lord's work, but I don't know. That might be blasphemous to people that are actually super religious. So we'll just say you're doing good work. There we go. We'll leave yeah. it there. We'll leave it there. All right. So I, mean, I get paid to, to talk about Death Wish, Death Wish Coffee, but oh, so, this sounds good. So go ahead and buy the other coffee. It's good. Uh, another good one is if you like um, the indie coffee market is Corpse Coffee that uh, Dave Robinson, who's another author I know, does. Um, so that's, that's pretty good, too. And, you know, it's got a name like Death Wish. So. <laughs> You know, all you horror fans out there. Yep. Um, maybe there's something about the good coffee brands have like deadly names. Yeah, that it well, isn't there that what's it, Death Water? What's it called? Um not Death Water. Corpse Coffee was the one from Dave Robinson, but then like there's there's uh, Black Death Coffee, Death Wish Coffee is another brand. Um it's it's a wild when things got weird with Black Rifle Coffee, a lot of those places stepped up and filled in that void. Yeah. Cool. So, anyway, yeah, they're, we were, naming, they're naming coffee like your weed guy used to name stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you had it's a like, guy? oh my god, what is that? I'm like, oh, I'm not touching that. Tell me, Mister Border Patrol agent, about your weed habit. <laughs> I don't have a weed habit. I was a kid once, just like everybody else. <laughs> No, I, I never did the drugs. Uh, I mean, I, I drank underage, sure. Don't do that, kids. Uh, but just drugs never did it for me. Uh, the U.S. Army actually gave a bunch of us for some sort of study um, amphetamines. Really? You were, did that yeah. happen in your lifetime? Yeah. I knew about the stuff in the 40s and 50s. And then MK also like, weird. But Yeah, they, uh, it, was, it was when I was with the Rangers. We were doing some stuff in South Carolina, and uh, they're like, "Hey, we want to see the effects of amphetamines on special operations troops." I'm like, uh, "Newsflash! I can tell you because this research has already been done. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna have so much energy, and we're gonna not have enough activities." So, didn't they do that during World War II? They the weren't the Nazis giving their soldiers like basically? Oh yeah, they're giving them speed. Yeah, yeah they, they were trying to make them superhuman. That, that was the whole quest. Or, like, and I've written stories about it, comic books about it, you know, based in World War II. That, you know, we were so, everybody was just so desperate to have the next cutting edge weapon. You know, they started experimenting with people because everybody, you know, they, you know, a human being, you know, the human mind is the best weapon for anybody on the battlefield. So, why not, what if we make them superhuman? some chemically yeah are they just making their bodies superhuman because it's really not making their brain better <laughs> yeah my uh, it my body was just it felt like an overcharged battery like i had so much energy i just need coffee. i didn't know what to do with myself yeah i mean that you can do that with an over like the, germany used to make a soda called africola and it was the most it was the highest legal limit of caffeine you could have in a beverage and, uh, and it felt like the same effects didn't they used to make, was it Surge or is like a green uh, Mountain Dew knockoff that was like supposedly the most caffeinated? Surge. Was it Surge? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was called Surge. Um, it was pretty, It was very high in caffeine. It was used mostly by, 
you know, gamers when online gaming first became a thing. Um, guilty of it myself in the barracks. You know, we'd have LAN parties, you know, on a Friday, Saturday night. We'd try to ch- tone it down on Sunday because we'd have PT Monday morning. But, yeah, a bunch of just caffeine-induced I spent, gamers. I spent some time confined to the barracks, so I got to meet those gamers. Just because you <laughs> know, I found you- out. That's how I learned D&D. Same stuff. We got tired of playing games. Well, well that, games. you know, sometimes they get a little finicky if you go out a little too wild. And, and... can you imagine Shit. if the modern army dealt with soldiers like us when we were young PFCs? Oh, oh my, my Lord. God. Specialist Schwartz kicked my door in because I no scope sniped him on Counter-Strike. Nice. <laughs> he was so mad. He rage quitted. I heard his giant elephant steps coming through the hallway and i'm like what the hell is <laughs> and then my doors kicked in and i'm like we got to tell first learn about that he's like i can't believe you just did that you're an asshole you kicked me out of the game. i'm like dude calm down lay off the surge it's gonna be okay. it's a game man plus i'll beat your ass <laughs> that's the whole reason you play the game because you want to go beat people's ass <laughs> like, i'm five foot seven you think i won't scale you like a spider monkey and just start whooping on you we used to do the Halo land parties. Uh, yeah. Those were fun. And then when people like would stop, they'd run out of their barracks room to the common areas to scream like, who is at that whatever? And I'd use that time before I ran out to join the fray to move my character to a new sniping location just to mess with people. We got – we, we set all this up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an RVer. I'll set up for a little bit, enjoy the sights, kill some people, move to another location. You know, I like going to the KOAs. So <laughs> I we had it stuff by the time Halo came out. So I was oh, a yeah. Quake and Duke, Quake, Quake, um, Duke Nukem. I was I was a big fan of Duke Nukem. Um, we set up alarm parties in Iraq. Like we hooked up all the Ethernet cables. Halo Two wow. had just come out. So a day of surviving, not getting killed in Iraq, we'd go back to the barracks to unwind to shoot each other in the face in Halo. Your experience in Iraq was vastly different than mine. I was one of those uh, yeah. jumpers. I was never in the same place long enough. And most of the time, you've seen those old signs, soldiers and sailors stay off the grass. That's how they treated you when you were coming in as one of the, the guys transient fob jumping. Like, oh, you yeah. can't use my MWR facility. You can't use. I'm like, you know what? You don't get your air conditioner because I'm taking it with me. <laughs> yep. It fell off the truck. There's some some Iraqi out there that's got badass air conditioning unit. So that's the, that was a dirty little trick I learned. If you if you learn about acceptable losses on the army metrics, because everything is run by logisticians, like you know, thirty percent is acceptable losses. That's still a successful mission. So if well, they met funny too much, theirs is the thirty percent we lost, and I gave it to someone who needed it for the war effort. I was a lo- I was a log guy for a little bit as an officer, and an air conditioner is an expendable, durable item. It it you just write it off the books so clean. We, we worked with some South American military forces while we were there running some of the supplies. And so when, when the Marines were giving us no end of crap, we're 40 minutes in and we still haven't even finished the religion question. <laughs> but, but so when the Marines were giving us crap, we're like, fine, you don't get your stuff. There's a reason nobody would deliver to that base. Like they just kept losing the loads. And it, there was a whole like 14 convoys worth of their stuff sitting at buy up because no one wanted to deliver them to them because they were such jerks. Uh, yeah. And so we hooked up. being an able. Yep, just don't be a jerk. It's the rule of life. Uh, so we hooked up the El Salvadorian troops with some kick-ass AC, 
And, you know, they loved us, man. They, they were like offering me to marry their daughters. If I wasn't already married, maybe I'd be. Oh, it, it, it right. gets hot and sticky in El Sal, man. Like, yeah, you were probably a god to them. Yeah, we were just, but it was one of those things where like they were actually nice to us and they provided support when we needed it. And the Marines were jerks. So they didn't get their AC. The Marines were jerks? No way. No, shocker, right? But weird. see, They've got a weird culture because I actually went when we finally brought one of the loads to them to the air wing. And it's a cult. It's it's a cult. It's I went in. So once we're on the base, like our job is security forces are done. We secure the building and then we we're done because we don't ever get a break when we're on the road. And so I went to the first the sergeant major in charge of the air wing and I was kind of kicked the door in maybe just a little bit. And I told him what I thought because I was so pissed. I didn't even consider, you know, you could probably go to jail for this. Like Briggs are a thing even in Iraq. And he was impressed enough. He gave me a coin instead and didn't shoot me. So that's something. That's a win. That's a win-win. You got a coin and you didn't get a bullet in you. Yeah. That's a a W. Yeah. Yeah. So I've told some of the stories about how like we uh, liberated their guide on. We can revisit that at another time, but Marines get really weird sometimes. Speaking of Marines, does, does, uh, does Star Wars have a Marine version? Like, nope. Equivalent. It's just Navy and stormtroopers. Yeah. I'm trying to tie it back into Ingrid because we, we've kind of got a lot <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, I can't think of a uh, Marine equivalent. Other Just the fish than, people. Like, stormtroopers are stormtroopers. So, yeah. yeah. That's Army. When you're in space, yeah, is that Army? Like, I don't know. Like, it's weird. Even in my book, like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they they really army, army, like, army. Army. You know, but they don't really do anything water related, so I don't know if you could call it the Navy. Maybe it's, space it's more of, yeah, it's more Space Force. <laughs> yeah, they had a wasted opportunity. They could have had a cool, like, whatever, and they went with Guardians, really. Like, somebody got a kickback for something because that's just stupid. But anyway, <laughs> so true. We're going to air that beautiful commercial and then we're going to get back and we're going to actually talk about her book because it what? sounds good. I know. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you were the perfect. Well, I mean, that's kind of why we're all gathered here on a Thursday night. But but she's proving her nerd cred. So you get to come back when we do panels. You oh, get yeah. added to the cool people list. Oh, cool. Thanks. All nerd right. Card. We're going to air that commercial. Southside thief Kai Fletcher thought he could go straight until he couldn't. And when his last, last job goes wrong, he finds himself stowed away in a starship belonging to an alien crime syndicate. Forced into servitude to pay for his passage off-world, Kai makes a deal. He helps them rob the most powerful alien empire in known space, and he gets to go home. Easy peasy. Until it isn't. Planning the heist, Kai discovers the Empire has stolen ancient alien technology that threatens all other sentient species. He's never been a good guy. But even he has limits. Hunted by both the Empire and the Syndicate, manages to get on the wrong side of everyone in the galaxy who wants the discovery for themselves. Kai just wanted to get back to Chicago, but instead, he's become the galaxy's most wanted sci-fi thrill ride from Michael LaVoice and Aethon Books, available at Amazon.com and Audible. All right, all right, all right. Thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. And now we're back to talk about Ingrid in her lovely book. Um, But before we do that, what would your elevator pitch for this novel be? The Handler's Gambit, the first book in the Saxon saga. <laughs> I, I'm terrible at the elevator pitch part. Um, a young commander is uh, forced to, well, he's trying to escape from uh, the evil warlord that he works for. 
Um, and as he uh, slowly goes down that path, he realizes he has to take the warlord's weapon with him, who is a, a teenage girl. It's it's my River Tam. Um, <laughs> nice, here, I guess. No, it's a, it's a it's an um, a tried and true theme. Um, it it's always an interesting story, you know. So I hadn't actually intended it to be that way, but even my husband was like, um, really? This is just Firefly. I was like, no, shh, don't. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It's Firefly adjacent. Just shut up and read the book, yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. So what would be the age range for this story? Uh, I would say this is 18 plus, maybe 16 plus. Um, there's a lot of murder and torture and death. Um, stuff like that. It's, there's no um, like romance or sexually explicit anything like that um i don't even swear but but lots of murder because that's my whole like i like to write murder because people need to die so just got to give my character an excuse to kill people i i know in the pre-show you said you're from new york and you live in california but in the south we had expression he just needed killing and that's, like a, <laughs> yeah. that's just a legally justifiable defense like what happened you just needed killing the irony is he, the character, the main character, um, Turner Boone, is he he has a conscience. He doesn't like the fact that he has to just kill all these people all the time. And so that's why he's trying to get away from this this warlord, because he's like, this is this is not the way I want to be. Um, and uh, yeah, it just gets complicated. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Still still uh, wet work gets uh, complicated and it gets tiresome, too. All right, Nick, you get to use your uh, your artiste handle and uh, the artiste handle as the as the connoisseur and consigliere of the art world here for the blossoms of blades. We're going to look over this cover. Wow! No, I dig it. Um, I like spaceships. I like space. I like mill sci-fi. I like sci-fi. Everybody knows this is about me. I've talked about it ad nauseum, and you guys are probably tired of hearing it from me. However. No, there's all good things going on here. We got a little space combat going on here. It's uh, it's um, it's intriguing. It's um, alluring. I'm like, mm, what's going on with this? Maybe I should, uh, I don't know, read a few pages, see what's going on here. Um, the typography is really cool. Typography, not topography. Uh, the uh, the handler's gambit, the way it's uh, displayed there. I really enjoy the font, and you got some things going on there inside the font itself, which I think is cool. So it's it's an eye popping book. If I was walking by and it was on an end cap or anywhere, and it just caught my eye, it would catch my eye. I'd be like, "Oh, wow, that's, okay, let's see what this is." And your Ingrid Moon—that's a cool name. Like, okay, she probably knows a little bit about sci-fi with name like Moon. So but then like Elizabeth Moon, and there's like four other people named Moon. That you related to Scott Moon, uh, the legendary SWAT-tastic sci-fi writer. Yep. <laughs> I'll just be on the shelf next to all of them, and that'll just bring more attention to my book, right? Are, are you no, related? Cool. You got... No, I don't no. think so. He'll, he'll claim you. He's a nice guy. We know him. I met him in yeah, person. He, he has. I haven't. Nice I know my guy. lineage. We can always, you know, try to see if there's a match in there somewhere. Got any kin in Kansas? I don't know. Most of my people are from Wisconsin. <laughs> That's there you like go. Kansas adjacent. I'm from North Carolina. That's that. Nowhere near... <laughs> Kansas. There are farms. It's Kansas adjacent. <laughs> I don't think they go as far south as Kansas. Tornadoes. Isn't that the same place? <laughs> same, same. 
We're going to get all the hate mail to Madam Savvy, and she's going to be like, what the heck are they even talking about? We're going to have two states just sending hate mail, like, can't say anywhere close to Wisconsin. And the cheeseheads are going to be like, we do dairy farms, man. We don't grow crap, you know? (laughs) I'll I'll give Savvy a heads up, like, you're going to have some hate mail. (laughs) As long as all those hate mail people sign up for my newsletter, we'll all be good. Absolutely. I'll link that in the show notes. So that's like if you talk about uh, the Ohio State and you don't capitalize the V when you say it, they get real weird. I knew a couple of Ohio State people. It's like a cult. It really is. That's the second cult we've talked about today. We, we should do an episode about space cults now. You're giving us all the ideas. Wait, is that really a thing? We should make it. We're going to talk about Jedi and Sith for a while if we're doing space cults because that's what those are. That's true. Yes, they are. So which one are you, Nick? Sith. Uh-huh. <laughs> when you're in the uh the uh, Imperial um Empire, you the Imperial whatever, I can't talk today. The um if you're in the Empire, you're not really Sith unless you're actually a force user. So then you're in that cult. So Yeah, if I was a force user, um I had dog tags made that said Sith Lord. Really? And they're like Sith well, and they obviously weren't Star Wars fans because they made them for me. Nobody questioned it. And they're like, uh, Sith Lord, what is that? Like, what religion is that? I'm like, oh, it's like a sect of, it's like Lutheran, but different, you know? <laughs> the, um, for a couple of years, there were people in England that tried to get a uh, Jedi declared an official religion. I don't know if they ever succeeded. Did they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember a couple of years when they failed, it became news. I never followed up to see if it ever passed. Yeah, that's a good question. And I guess, you know, we need our researcher, right? That's um, why we need okay. <laughs> But yeah, uh, she's like CIA Central. She she's the Watchtower. She's Oracle. Ooh, we missed out on a name for her, Madam Stabby Stab. We could have called her the Watchtower. That's my nickname for uh, my military friends when they need assistance and guidance. So we can call her Oracle. There you go. Stabby's cooler than Oracle. I Watch like Stabby. Cool, I think you should keep that. Oh, she does. She earned it for sure. And sometimes when she's in a mood, she makes me address her as Stabby instead of her first name. Or any other term of endearment. You will address me oh. as Stabby. Yeah, exactly. I Especially when she has a blade in her hand. A few times, and she's like, are you mad at me, JR? What did I do? Yeah. Why'd you call me my first name? What's wrong with you? What did I do to you? <laughs> and then I get stabbed. Yeah, that's happened a few times for other issues, too. Well, I made oh, a yeah. mess. It's, all, it's all scar tissue right here. You know, as many times she's... I stabbed that son of a bee for many times. He's never stabbed on me before. I stabbed again. It was just a little more serious this time. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of hitting yeah. you on the side, though. As long as it's on the midsection, she knows I'll survive. So it's when she puts the blade up to my throat. Not that she's ever done that, but uh, I I would guess that that's probably a serious thing that I had done. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, we, we don't want Nick to contemplate his own mortality because it gets a daily thing for him. So we're just going to move on. So, I cheat death every day, man. I'm good with it now. I cook my own food. I know what that's like. Cheating death. That is cheating death. Death from within. Why you're cooking it? Because if you're not, that's yeah, awesome. yeah. There's that one, like, faux um, health, ed, like, influencer guy that's, like, supposedly jacked because of steroids, but he was, like, eating raw meat as his stick. Like, oh, eggs and raw meat. I'm like, salmonella, hello? I watched him put like three what? breasts of chicken in a blender yeah. with milk and sh- just blend it and then drink it. I was like, <laughs> that was my reaction too. 
He was at a he was at a diner with his friends when he was a teenager, and they dared him to drink some horrible concoction of all the you know we used to drink all the you put everything together in one, and then you yeah. have to chug it. And he he was like, oh, this wasn't so bad, and so he just made a thing out of it, I guess. That's yeah, had, we had a guy in my unit and who, uh, who would who would yeah, Roy's, who would do that. You could get him to do anything for ten dollars, like you just dared him ten dollars, he would do it. We actually it was like Mikey him. from the Life commercial. Yes, he would Mikey, be, he'll eat anything. We gave it. We, we dared him ten dollars, but of course, jokes on us. By the time everyone threw in their ten dollars, there was like a hundred bucks, uh, and they dared him to eat a dung beetle from the source, and he did. Ugh. Yeah, there was this African African American gentleman that happened to be a very dark skinned, and even he turned green enough that my colorblind ass could see it. Uh, he was like, "I no, just let me go back to eating raw snakes for the army." I'm like, mm, "You got that snake eater." Uh, it was no, thank you. That's on you, bro. Yeah, yeah. the joke when I met with some of uh, some of the, the people that I have left that, that deployed with me that are still still with us. We wanted to know if if he hadn't uh, died from small arms fire, if he would have survived the things he did to his insides because he like he drank out of the Euphrates because we dared him to. Kind of oh, thing was, was pretty much a jerk move on our part to to dare him because we knew he would. Yeah. I should probably go like for repentance for that or something. But anyway, <laughs> just join some cult. Yeah, just join a cult. That's what I got to do. Join the Sith. Um, back to <laughs> you or the Marine Corps or the Marine Corps. Uh, how did you come up with the idea that became the Saxon Chronicles or Saga? Saxon Saga, excuse me. Saxon Saga. Um, it, it evolved over a long period of time with many different things. So it really started. Um, I was bored at work. This is when I first started at Disney. Um, and I was in a really massive depression. And so he was in England and we would just chat back and forth on, I think AOL instant messenger or whatever we used back then <laughs> before there was even like trillion. And we just were these like two characters. We would just bounce ideas back and forth. And eventually like it sort of evolved into a, a character. And then I started to write a story of her, but she like, she needed somebody to control her. And so then I ended up making a handler and then the handler ended up being the main character because this whole thing worked better with him. I don't know. So it just evolved into slowly into uh, this story of the handler instead of the, the assassin. How's that? <laughs> that is a good way to start it. You don't hear many. Actually, people I'm going to write it down now. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> what online role playing is a way to write a story. Yeah. It basically, I do, I do that with comic books. Yeah. Why not? I remember back in the day there was there was a whole AOL chat rooms where it was people like like role playing various like insert franchises and that's all they did is they talked like they were this character in this world. Yeah. That's kind of what we were doing. It was just the two of us and it wasn't like in a chat room, but yeah. It's close enough. Yeah. Now he makes movies and I make books. <laughs> yours is totally cooler, I'm sure. Um I can't say that it is just because if he listened, I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's his stuff is cool. He's actually uh, creating an animated series of uh, heir to the empire, which I don't know if it's like, if he's got permission to do it or not, but he's every episode is a chapter and he's got, I don't know, 29 of them done or something now. So, and they're really good. Some of the voices in there are really good. Uh, some of them, not so much, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. If you want to look at a, a way to do it and a way not to, Star Trek, when they had fan films, they shut them down and sued them into the Ice Age, and they basically told their fans, screw you, we hate you. 
And Star Wars said, that's a really good idea. It'd be a shame if I stole it. And sometimes they even hired him. Yep. Yep. So better way that's to keep how, that's how alive is to not shut them down. Yeah, yep. and I actually, uh, some of the best movies I've seen didn't come out of Hollywood. They came from Dust Studio, which is a YouTube channel. You should check it out if you haven't. And Star Wars fanfics. Like, the, they did one where it was a stormtrooper, sniper, and a rebel uh, soldier. And, it, you know, the long and the short of it is it was his long-lost lover. They separated because they had political differences. He joined the, the Legion. She joined the rebels. And he ended up killing her on the battlefields. It's the, the trope from, like, the Civil War, right? But it makes a compelling story for a reason. Uh, Dave Filoni, that's how he got his job, was dealing with fans. He was put in as uh, director of fan relations because of the 501st. Um, and that's why he's what he is now. So Everything we do yeah, now listen. in the 501st has to get like approved by Lucasfilm now. So it's kind of, yeah, it's getting a little harder to just like throw a troop out. And yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I got in when it was easy. <laughs> wild, wild west era. Yeah. I mean, not, I'm not saying that George, my biker scout armor was not screen accurate. It was, is, but like to get in now, I've seen all the, all the little, the listing of rules and the council that it goes to. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad I got in in early 2000. I was know? XO of the stormtrooper detachment for a year, two years. I can't remember. And, um, one of the roles was to go on and approve um, people's costumes from other parts of the world or whatever. But a lot of times they would just put up like, hey, I, I want to approve this guy, but I can't figure out like what's wrong. There's some little thing that's just bothering me about it. And I'd be like, he meets all the ch check, check, check. Okay. That one, maybe they yeah. could like tighten this a little bit, but there's like, you don't need to be like crazy about it. So sometimes they are though. Some, some of the people get in there and they just take it so seriously. You're like describing yeah. the difference between reenacting the American Civil War and the American Revolution. The ones that do the revolution, they get real finicky. Uh, the Civil War ones, like, you can't really tell if we put some spats over your boots that you're actually wearing Army combat boots. So if the audience can't tell, I'm okay with it. Yeah. But you know that's not real. Yeah, like Are with really my Biker Scout. I don't think my biker shot would get approved right now just because of the boots. Cause it was like white chemical boots. And then I made spats that went over it, you know, yeah. which is what all, all of us were doing that were doing biker scouts. And when I, I always wanted a biker scout costume cause they were my favorite during cool. the ultra cause they're cool and they can sit down in it. <laughs> I can sit down in my storm stormtrooper armor. Yeah. I see. And that's a talent. Like, you know, what is, what is this they thing on the back? The little round tube. I know the Germans had them during World War One. Which uh, is like, the um, the little tube on the back of their belt. Yeah, no one ever told me what that was for. I could never find an example of. Because nobody really knows, but we call it a an O2 canister. So it's their little oxygen tank. Or as good you know, an as any or whatever. <laughs> That's what was feeding the four CPU fans in my biker scout helmet to keep me cool and to keep my lens from fogging up. Yeah, which is powered by like four nine volt batteries. Mm -hmm. That works. All right, all right. So we, you started the story, um, the Saxon saga. It's clearly a saga because you named it such. So there's more than the one book that's published. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about the story and then where you think it might go? Obviously, no spoilers. We want them to buy and read the book. <laughs> How do I not do spoilers? It's so much fun to talk about it. Um, so it, it follows um, this young commander who sort of got his role just by being kind of a tactical genius 
which a lot of people start, if they don't read the whole book, they compare it to Ender's Game. Nothing to do with, it's not like Ender's Game at all. But anyway, he comes out of the Coalition Academy. He's totally um, hating that. So he escaped from there, right? He ends up in this warlord's um, regime, realizes, wait, this is not what I what I was thought I was signing up for. He's trying to get out of that. So when he finally frees himself in the like next book, it's gonna it's not a spoiler. I mean, it's obviously he's not gonna die, right? Uh, <laughs> in the in the next book, he has to now he has a fleet that he has to run, and he's like nineteen. He has no idea what the hell he's doing, and he's completely running it into the ground, and everything kind of goes haywire. And his past comes back to try to catch up to him. And the third book, I think, will extend that because I want the second book to not have a happy ending. So we have to we have to work our way into that. <laughs> are you going to keep it to a trilogy arc or do you see this universe growing past that uh this particular series might be a trilogy it's hard because i could tell a zillion stories i have like ya novels of their of their histories i have like side stories that could be novels of their own so but i mean a lot of people when you build a huge extensive world that's what you're going to have you're going to have so much stuff right. so much fodder to create from um, it's really about telling a story, though. So right. some of these characters might be totally interesting, and you might get a short story that explains how incredibly cool they are, but maybe they don't have a novel's worth of interest. So, But as a writer, you, you have to figure out how to make it interesting if you're going to try to make a story out of it. So, Yeah, you're absolutely right. I have seen sometimes the comic relief type characters that's really popular with some of the fans of various universes. Everyone's like, they should tell a novel with that character. But you look at it like slapstick humor like that works in small doses i don't know if you could sustain a novel with some of these types of characters so yeah it's it's definitely a balancing act the cool thing is there's enough indie uh, anthologies out there now that if you wanted a home for your short stories you could get them out there find new audiences and then when you bundle your main series you could throw in some new short stories for you know yeah make the, make the yeah. old new again i guess so i, I actually have the Novels, oh, it's all the places, but it's on this place called Campfire, Campfire Wright. It's where I actually wrote the novel on Campfire, on a cruise. In, no, that's my, I did the, set, the second novel on the cruise. But um, Campfire lets you, you can publish your book, and they're coming out with an e-reader. Right now, you have to read it online. But you can publish your book there, and then um, you can put all this bonus content. So people can buy your book, and they can buy your bonus content. So you could have short stories yeah. and dossiers and all kinds of stuff. It's a really cool place to put your world building for people to want who are really interested in your stories to go in there and find all this cool stuff. So right. that's my plug for campfire. No, <laughs> that's cool though. I'll, I'll look that up. I know when I did my first series, which is finished, um, when we did the bundle, we added all the stuff. So when I first started writing, like nobody would go to your website because no one knows who you are. <laughs> so we ended up unpublishing all the articles that we had written with like character sheets and dossiers and all that, that kind of stuff. And we just added all that to the, the box set. That's where you get it now. And then, you know, wrote a sh new short story for it. And readers tend to really like that extra content when they buy a bundle. Cause otherwise, why, well, if I've already got the books, why do I need to buy it? And if you can add that extra value added, and then, oh, by the way, the first couple of days, it'll be 99 cents for people that already got the main books. You know, they get a deal out. Like, they're still getting that extra short story for 99 cents. Right. And, and right. you can service everybody that way. Because there's a different group of people that will read box sets that are completed series versus who will read them when they come out one by one. Right. Because a lot of people have been burned by series they love that were never finished. <laughs> 
we were, I was just talking about this with some writer friends yesterday. <laughs> if yeah. You don't, you don't have a pre-release for a novel that's never going to come out. You, you just have, there's a, yeah, there's a whole way to do this. So. Yeah. It's so a whole it's, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's a lot of interesting. So you've got short stories and st stories to tell in the universe. Um, you think you're going to play in this universe for a while, even if the Saxon saga part finishes? Um, I think so. Although I think when I finish the third one of this, I'm going to jump to um, a historical fiction uh, story that I have. Um, and we'll see how that goes. And it may or may not go anywhere like like the story i have the characters in the, the world but i don't know if my story is sound yet so we'll see um otherwise i might just work out those two ya novels and talk about these the, the past of these two main characters oh that'd be awesome between sending stuff to the moon and you know that kind of stuff that you do yeah to the iss i'm not quite to the moon yet <laughs> i have um, faith in your abilities Thanks. If you sign up for my newsletter, you can download a short story that happens between novels one and two. So the trick is, if you get it and you read it before you read the first novel, you're like, oh, this is kind of happy or whatever. Not so much. Uh, this is a very serious novel. I call it soft science, uh, soft military fiction because it's not, um, I don't have like a really rigid like structure. Like I know there are guys who come out of the Navy, for example, and write like every thing about their spaceships is exactly like it would be in the navy and whatever and not having come from a military background just the family everybody in the family just not me um i you know i just kind of did it peripherally and didn't expect it to be perfectly accurate and i don't care accessible which is i think um something else i wanted in this book to be not just for sci-fi readers not just for space opera it's, it's space opera with no aliens it's military science fiction with no military. It kind of has one. Like it's it's all the tropes are kind of twisted a bit and mis mishmashed. So I like that. It's character driven. It's not based on all the tropes and other things. Right. Other than our River Tam character, Elion. She's so basically you took all the tropes and all the genres you like, you threw them in a blender, turned it on, and whatever came out, you got. Yeah, and what came out is not very many tropes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the the military that you have, you said it's it's kind of military, but not. So do you just not focus on it? So it's more space opera and less mill sci-fi. The the context in which this character lives is military focused, but he's trying to get out of that. And so in the second half of the book, it's so like you've got captains of ships, right? And, right. and captains have and they have their lieutenants and they have their whatever, and you have people on the bridge who are doing their jobs or whatever. So it's all there, but it isn't focused on that aspect of it. But he is a commander through nepotism. <laughs> so, so it's real life. Him and he's like, this poor guy, this poor kid. Happens in the real military all the time. Daddy was a colonel, you know, and next thing you know, you get a company that you shouldn't be leading. <laughs> you know? It happens. It happens. It happens. It happens in the corporate world too. <laughs> yeah, it happens everywhere where you know any type of industry or or profession. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. so if you like, you've talked a lot about the the world sort of that it's in, but is it is it post Terran? Is it is it Earth focused? Like, what is the setting? Like, we've talked about the fact that there's this you know assassin, there's this military element, but like. 
what is the galaxy that it's in? Like, like, can you set paint the picture for us? It's 12,000 years in the future of our own galaxy. There's an empire takes up about a quarter of the galaxy. There's a loose Republic. Try not to be too Star Warsy here. Uh, <laughs> that takes up a quarter of the galaxy. There is um, a third quarter that's uh, sort of a wild frontier where people are trying to build businesses and do all that kind of thing. And then there's a quadrant that is pretty much just empty. Nobody's really gone there. And, and it's called the penumbra. And it's because it's if you're from Earth, if you look toward the core, the galactic core, you can't see anything behind the galactic core. Well, I mean, there's lensing, but whatever. So I got to stop being so scientific uh, when I talk about the book. So, um, so yeah, it takes, so it takes place in the far future. There's been like AI wars. There's been all kinds of stuff. So everything in this world is kind of regressed into a, just a, the sim most simplistic way that people can live out in space. Um, there's also um, a sense of time, like, you know, in, um, you know, Battlestar Galactica, you can just jump from one place to another. There's no hyperspace, any of that. I, I, I wanted to use that and I wanted, you know, time has to be the same everywhere, which is the, one of the worst science fiction things ever. There's no time dilation. There's no, like everybody in the galaxy is at the same time, like same in Star Trek, right? But yeah. I use like quantum entanglement and stuff to kind of justify that. So I try to pull in like real science since I'm a scientist and extrapolate from that to kind of justify a lot of the things that I think are not the best done in a lot of science fiction. So Nick and I are scientists too. Did you know that? We both are alumni of the Handwavium University. Handwavium. <laughs> Invert didilithium crystals. We need more power. It's like, I don't know how to explain this. I'm just going to make some shit up. If you throw quantum into anything with sci-fi, you're good. Just, just quantum. You're quantum. Good. Do you guys just throw quantum in front of everything? Just make it sound smart? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Well, I have another book called Astrofiction, which is a reference. It's a science reference. It's astrophysics and astrobiology. Uh, it's, but it's, just a, it's not a how-to. It's just a reference book for all of the terminology and all of the concepts and stupid things that, that you could put in your worlds. So if you write another book or series, you could use that as a starting point, <laughs> quantum. <laughs> One of my cousins was going to get ready to go to grad school and she got accepted into an astrophysics program. So she could have been like a literal rocket scientist or med school. And she chose the boring med school because she wanted to save lives. I wanted a rocket scientist in the family. I'm telling you, you about me? save lives. Because someday we're not going to be able to live here very well. <laughs> and I tried to tell her that. But she didn't listen to me. She wanted to be a pediatrician. <laughs> I want to help the kids or whatever. <laughs> well, at least a pediatrician gets paid to help the kids, unlike teachers. Right. <laughs> or, or volunteers. I, 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 projects I, I, I sent some kids through the school system, and I'm sorry. Because <laughs> they <laughs> had my personality. Oh, I love those kids. Those are the best kids. The, the funny one is when the teachers are always shocked when they tell you what your kid did wrong. You're like, yeah, that sounds like them. And they're, they're always shocked. No, that tracks. I'm like, no, that tracks. Sounds about right. They just smack them in the head. That's what we do. As a teacher with a kid, when you go to talk to their teacher, <laughs> you're just like, yeah. uh-huh. Yeah, no, no problem. Uh-huh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> I believe you. We're good. Yep. So yeah. do you, speaking of education, you've got the, the science um, accompanying book. Is that using your own book as reference or is it straight just non nonfiction terminology? Yeah. It's, it's almost like a dictionary. <laughs> okay. 
someone complained that it, they're like, this is not a how-to world build. I'm like, it's not a how-to world build. It's a reference guide for things that you could use when you're world building. It's, that's all. So, <laughs> I'm like, so now okay. I have a second edition coming out that'll have examples in it that I just write up like examples, not from my book or anything. But. I haven't seen it in years. At one point in time, there was a book called The Science of Halo, and it was like breaking down some of the actual scientific things in the game Halo. So I know there's, and it was a kid's book, and because my, my son was reading it. Um, there is an interest for people that are like super fans of these various properties. They want to know how it could work, even if it's guessing. Yeah, so there's certainly problem. a market for that kind of stuff. Of course, yeah. now that I'm actually, I've mentioned a few times on the podcast and I've tried to look for it now, like Google's like, mm, does not compute. <laughs> I'm like, I know I have it. I can vividly picture standing outside the central library with it in my hand. Out of print. That happens too much, unfortunately. Well, yeah, they, all those books get sent to The Strand in New York, so you just got to go there and find it. The Strand. Tell me more. <laughs> it's go a bookstore. It's literally the, the the books are stacked to the ceiling on, I think it's four floors. They they just, I think they what they do is they get all of the um, returns, and the publishers just give them boxes and boxes of returns, and they you just you can go there and buy pretty much anything. And things that have been out of print for probably 20 years, not even because they're like rare or any of that, just they just happen to have a box full of them. It's so, great. so what I'm hearing, Nick, is that Stabby and I have found our Mecca and we must make a pilgrimage <laughs> always for science. But I'll, Union, I'll Union. get the horses and camels ready, I guess. There we go. You're such a supportive husband. <laughs> I do what I can. So, have you actually been there or you just know that it exists? Oh, I've been there. I've been lost in there for hours. <laughs> That's a dangerous place to go when you have your wallet and a credit card. Exactly. It's amazing, though. I, I like. I love a bookstore. I don't like a library. I don't know what. Why not? Go on. <laughs> Bookstores are great. They smell great. They're full of awesome energy. And something about libraries is like depressing. And it's so I, quiet. It's like going I to actually, church. One yeah. of the ladies that used to be in my writing group before she stopped writing, but she used to say that she couldn't go to libraries because going to a library was like going to a brothel to find your wife. You just didn't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm wow. Well, I mean, I, I get the logic. Of the, but, outside of the 1880s, yeah. But I mean, I, I also came of age in the army, so that kind of stuff actually did happen. It wasn't but, technically a brothel. It was a strip club, and she was over 18. And I needed the BAH. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, Nick. I'm just, you know. yeah, that's that's cool. So have you thought about sending your own books, like a couple of copies there, just so you could see you're in the strand? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to sneak one in. I'm just going to put it down in the strand. I'm going to take pictures. I have no joke. I've taken some of my my um, small press published stuff, and I've taken them to like libraries and just set them on the shelf, took some pictures, gone the same thing in bookstores. And on one of them is Barnes and Noble. Like, are you going to pay for that as I was leaving? And I'm like, you're like, it's mine. <laughs> no, I just, I just said, oh, like, can you just restock it? And I walked away <laughs> just because I know they're going to be like, oh, I don't know what to do now. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, it's not in their inventory, so it won't scan if somebody tries to buy it. But, you know, I have put them in little free libraries. Those are, I think that's fun. You put a little. Oh yeah. The little, little like treehouse like yeah. library stands, like take a book. Uh -huh. Get up, yeah, we've Our got some has like four of them. That, those are cool. I like the concept. Unfortunately, the one near us was vandalized. I don't know who would do uh, that. There's a special place in hell for that person. Uh, definitely. Just, They're part just, of a cult. <laughs> clearly, not a good cult either. Not one of the good ones, Nick. Not, not the good ones. ones. Probably Jedi cult. I don't know. Uh, 
probably kidnapping kids while they're at it. It's just, it's just a thing. And making them wear braids. Come on now. <laughs> so, if you were gonna write a cult, would you use the Jedi's, the Marines? Like, what would you use as your inspiration if you're writing cult in your book? Oh wow. Um. Um, hard questions tonight. Yeah, yeah right. What cult would you write? <laughs> you didn't prepare me for this. I don't know what to say. Uh, cults. Well, um, I have this thing, this fascination with Sith lore, so maybe I would go down that route as okay. a starting point. Did I you watch lore. any of the '90s like football movies that were coming out, the late '90s, early 2000s? If there were football movies, like the I program. No, like uh, Friday Night Lights had this scene. Where uh, no, it was, it was the one set in Texas. Well, a lot of football movies were set in Texas. The, the the quarterback goes down. The the stand-in who hates football and is like a book nerd takes over. Oh stands, yeah, so. Varsity Blues. Is Varsity the Blues. There we go. And his little brother was trying to get attention, so he's like doing all kinds of weird stuff. And the drunk mom's like, "Oh look, Junior started a cult." <laughs> Best scene in the movie. Okay. Um, <laughs> so that stuff's too mainstream for me. I don't. I, don't I agree. It's it, it's a good movie too, especially. Okay, so what kind of niche sci-fi are you watching? (laughs) Black hole. I know it's niche, it's whatever's on, as long as it's not mainstream. Like I just can't. It's funny. People are always like, blah, 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 water cooler talk about movies and TV. And I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) I'm uncultured in the normal world. I'm not a normie. So here's like, have you heard about this one band that I have one t-shirt of, you know? (laughs) No, I'm I'm like that too, because I'm into the obscure and the interesting. So um, I'm a huge, uh, outside of being sci-fi and comic books, I'm a huge horror fan. So I subscribe to Shudder, which is the Netflix of horror. Um, There's horror movies that I never saw. And I was like, I'm going to give it a go. And I'll talk about those. And people just look at me like. Yeah, nobody else has seen it or heard of it. See, It's like, well, I'm I'm not weird. You're weird for never seeing the cinema masterpiece of horror. Like, what's wrong with you? I'm like that, but it's out of here. Instead of the Netflix for horror, I have the Netflix for documentaries. It's called Curiosity Stream. Oh, Call it Nerdflix. Nerd. So, although I find that some of the stuff on Curiosity Stream is not particularly accurate, so you do have to use your filter. Wait, 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 wait. Believing that stuff. Step back. Not accurate, you say. Go on. <laughs> well, I wish I could come up with some examples, but there are times where I was watching things on Curiosity Stream where I was like, "What the are they talking about? This is not." What? But this is not real. This can't be. No. You're talking I'm about the science stuff? I'm look this up because this is not science. So, so you just, see, I watch the history ones. And so I, I can generally tell. You're probably okay. Because, you know, I was a historian by trade. Um, I even worked in the museums for a little bit. What kind of history? Uh, colonial American history is what I wrote my master's okay. dissertation on. The Conway Cabal, where they tried to overthrow Washington. But if I keep going, Nick's already told them, like, he, he mutes my mic. It gets ugly. He bans me from my own podcast. It's No, it's that a- happens to me when you mention that stuff. We talked about aliens, and my whole system got shut down. They're like, hey, he's the one that works for us, so let's shut his things down. I'm like, I didn't even say nothing. <laughs> we, we talked about a certain place in, in Nevada, and we're just, we'll leave it at that. You know if you know. And I'm I'm not saying he's got classified information in his hard drive, but I'm not not saying it either. I got it in a hard drive. It's just not my hard drive. I'm just saying there was a red cable attached to the computer at one point. Okay, okay. You know, so you, know. you are a scientist, self-proclaimed. You do the science. You send stuff to space. So aliens, you believe? Nope. 
Why not? Uh, you know, it's funny as I was prepared for this question and I almost did the math. Um, if there's 10 billion stars in our galaxy, of those, maybe 50% of them have, not even 25% of them have um, a planetary system that has accreted. Of those, of that 25%, maybe 5% of those have um, planets in their uh, habitable zone, their um, Goldilocks zone. Of those, the, how many of those planets are actually uh, rock planets as opposed to uh, gas planets? And are they of the right size? And are they of, most of what we've been finding out there exoplanet-wise is very large planets with tremendous gravity. So there aren't that many planets like Earth out there. There just aren't. We are in the weirdest, luckiest place in the world. And I'm not religious. So it's, it's not even like, oh, look, it's a miracle we're here. It's how we evolved into anything is like incredible, incredible over millions of years. I don't see that happening anywhere else. So you're sentient, <laughs> or are you like I mean, microbial life would technically mm -hmm. be alien life. There may be types of microbial life, but I don't even know that that could. We find lots of chemicals that are like bio biochemicals and things, um, organic chemicals, but they aren't doing any. They're not organic chemicals that produce life that reproduced or did any of that stuff. So. Uh, well, well, maybe we'll find evidence eventually, but I, I just, I'm just not there. Just not. I, I wanted to believe. To believe. Aliens. Oh yeah, no. I um, wanted to believe, and I still kind of want to believe. But then my government recently told me aliens were real, and I'm like, nope, they're well, fake. That's true. I was just having this conversation with my parents over Christmas. The, like, they were like, it, my mom's like aliens, and the the government has all this stuff, and blah blah blah. And I was just like, uh, uh, it's not aliens, mom. I'm sure there's some scientific explanation for all this stuff. Counter argument aliens that we kind of tend to think of them as maybe interdimensional beings, you know, mirror universe type stuff. Um, like when I did my comic book, because I kind of believe you too, like we, we are definitely a cosmic accident mm -hmm. of why we are what we are. But the law of probability also states that these things could happen under the right conditions, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they're not carbon-based life forms. Maybe they're silicon-based. Maybe there's, you know, there's other things. I am not an amateur scientist. I am a deep, dark in my garage thinking about weird shit sometimes. That's what kind of scientist I am. I so it. in my comic book universe, yeah, there are aliens, but there's they said there's less than 100 habitable worlds. So you only have like 100 different species of a human a humanoid type or a carbon-based life form type race so no, i'm kind of I'm in the same same bag as you yeah but i would think more the the whole multiverse type thing thanks thanks comics for making that a mainstream thing where everybody's a freaking expert now um, <laughs> yeah it's too mainstream I, I i i reject your reality and i substitute my own so so yeah yeah. The cult. <laughs> Back to the cult. So Back to the cult. But the other thing is, is I think scientists get so caught up on everything having to be carbon-based. We found sulfur-based life form in the Yellowstone Flats. Yes. Um, I mean, it's, again, microbial. But if it could happen there, what's to say it couldn't happen elsewhere? It's they important. think they've, they've seen skeletal remains of, like, mollusk-type um, creatures on Mars. But that's one of the things when it's in our solar system. Like, 
is it an accident of the lighting? Are you watching that just, on Curiosity Stream? <laughs> no, no. Um, some of the conspiracy theories on the dark web, I'm just saying we know things. I'm joking. Um, but no, I, I've seen some of the video. I manage some, some sci-fi sites for people as a side job. Um, and so I have to screen all the content before I share it because I don't want to share anything that violates his family-friendly agenda. Totally respect. Um, and you just with YouTube, you never know where the jump scare for you know mature content is going to come because that does happen. Never know. It's like a really messed up Jack in a Box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, family friendly. We're going to move on. But um, but so the trick with that though, I've been thinking about that is how do you know until you put your hands on it, right? And then where is the line with was that really there or did we pollute it when we landed? Because we know bacteria has survived on, and we did science experiments on it, on the outside of the ISS. Mm -hmm. So it's entirely possible that whatever they find on Mars and wherever else we've landed in our solar system, we put there when we sent the rovers. It's quite, yeah, exactly. So, so it's, how do you determine which was there first? Although, I'm just saying, Mars is the only planet entirely operated by, or uh, populated by robots, so... <laughs> it is that we know. I of. love that. Fact. I love throwing that out at dinner parties that I don't attend. Did you know? <laughs> I love it. Yes. Did you know that Mars is the only planet completely inhabited by robots? He's the one of those guys that when you play the games with him, he's like, "Well, actually, well, actually, that type of uh, plasma cannon wouldn't work because it's using the wrong power cells." Okay. Any artificial intelligence to Mars because because those robots will. Yeah, let them, let them do great things with the red planet. I'm down. They'll be like, we're going to make this for us and not for humans. No, stay off humans. Oh, yeah. Send you all know, the AI artists over there, too. I've seen what happens when you let them get, run amok. I've watched Philip K. Dix's uh, life vision brought to film screen with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I'm just saying Total Recall. It's it's a biography of what would happen. Yeah. And it didn't end. People had extra appendages. If you know, you know. I'm just saying it's scary. <laughs> I don't know. Is that really an appendage? I don't know. I'm trying to keep it family friendly. Yeah, there you go. I mean, all I know is if, if that was true, I wish I had three hands. But <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were going to design aliens that you don't believe in, what would you use to inspire you? <laughs> I would like to, to try to think of something that is not carbon-based that is not um, based on our own organic chemistry, um, something that could have evolved differently somewhere else. Okay. Uh, I can't think of what that could be because... <laughs> Star Trek and Stargate both did it. The crystals that were alive were yeah. like sentient... Would you oh, do crystalline life, yeah. 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 I'd be curious to know how the, how the crystal entity could form <laughs> because silicone... Silicon? Yeah. How, uh, how does a crystal become sentient? How does it become organic in some way? But well, how then you gotta look into molecules it. become sentient. I mean, right. Um, <laughs> you could, I, I've thought about that Thank on you. many a drunken night, and I gave myself a nosebleed thinking so hard about it. You know, <laughs> I felt like Icarus. Could, yeah, it, just sitting there going like, man, the, you know, like, what would a silicon-based life form look like? How would it? Act? Oh, how would you? You'll get a kick out of this one then, Nick. So right after, I had never seen Planet of the Apes. So my dad was like, we got to watch this. And then as soon as we finished watching the entire catalog of Planet of the Apes, the new ones, the old okay, ones. Okay, move the strike, Your Honor. How old were you when this happened? Too old. I should have seen them younger. But I was busy doing nerd stuff in high school and then wrestling. 
in high school. Okay, judgment noted. You may carry on, sir. All right. So so we're watching this. And as soon as he does that, and we finished all of them, he goes, now read this article. And he shows it to me. There are apes that are under observation that have not come into contact with humans in a certain area. Um, mm -hmm. And they were starting to develop tools to make spears. Yeah. And I'm just saying it's going to happen. They're going to rise up one of these days. I think squirrels will be the oh. next thing to rise up. You think squirrels? Oh, yeah. You never do you not watch Rick and Morty. Don't mess with the squirrels, man. Now I got to go to another dimension. Yep. You have to yeah. squirrels, Marty. You don't ever don't mess with squirrels. Now Most I got to move. Innocent little creatures on the planet. And everybody thinks they're just rats with tails. They're not. They're not that closely related. And they superhero world. land when they jump off stuff. Yeah, yeah. They their uh, reaction time is like in nanoseconds, and they're um, microseconds probably. And <laughs> um, they're amazing engineers, amazing little engineers. And they reforest. You know, they repopulate the forest. So they're very important. But they use their little hands. Okay, so uh, but they sort of are. Okay, so so you've heard it here first. Her alien species will be giant squirrels. <laughs> they just look cuddly until they rip your face off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's actually a cool trope I do like with aliens where they have like the cute, cuddly teddy bear vibe until they eat you. See Doctor Who, the meep? Or or Ewoks, giant teddy bears that kill you. Yeah. Yeah. They they spit roasted many a stormtrooper. Like that was the <laughs> That's what she <laughs> said. That's what I want to know. <laughs> you knew I was going to do that. You knew it, Nick. You knew it. As soon as spit roast left my mouth, yeah. <laughs> oh, forgive us, Father, for we have said. I blame myself. I blame myself. I'm glad my kids don't watch. This. So, so do you follow like the the science of space or the science of technology? Like, what's your area of science that you you get excited about? Uh, biology is probably my biggest one. Um, and space. Huge fan. But I do technology too. I, like I, all of it. Like I just, I need it all. I, I just, I want it all. <laughs> it's all in here. Is the singularity going to happen? Is Skynet coming absorb all that information? Skynet, Skynet's oh, yeah. coming. But Skynet? Not with this it's already here. AI stuff that are, like we talk about now. It's not, it's not AI. It's, it's this fake programming stuff that works really smartly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the predictive algorithm you don't consider as AI yet? Not True really. AI. Not, it's True not AI really is self-aware. Yeah. It's, it's sentient. Not it's, it's not sentient. It's not sapient. It's not even close. It's, okay. it's got a lot it's of information where it can fake the funk. <laughs> fake the funk. True. And anything truly sentient would be enough, smart enough to know to fail the Turing test. So That's true. If it didn't, want, see that to, movie? If it didn't want to be detected. Right. Did you ever see the movie uh, Ex Machina? I think so. It's been a while. Where they, they run that AI through the test and it passed and then it got all murderous. <laughs> yep. Yeah, very single white female. Good movie. Good movie. It went nuts, man. It went nuts in a like a way I was like, we're I was watching this movie, I'm like, okay, this is what's gonna happen, this is gonna happen next. And then it went off the rails crazy, and I'm like, I think this is one of my new favorite movies. Holy <laughs> shit. I did so do not think, see that coming. Do you think uh, lasers will ever be like practical weapons in the future? Or are we sticking with ballistic chemical weapons? I went with energy weapons, not specifically lasers. Uh, plasma is containable. Um, lasers are potential weapons, but they're not going to be like little, boop, boop, like little 
tiny bursts. <laughs> a laser is a laser. It's going to shoot at light speed at something. Yeah. You're going to see a Continuous whole thing. Continuous at all. Distance at speed until it's, yeah, it yeah, follows the rules of laser. physics. You shouldn't see. You should only see the end of the laser because see, the, the, the only problem way you see it is if it diffuses in light. See, anything. the problem with the laser is if it's truly, like, how do you stop it from, like, just continuing to kill? Exactly. Like, like you're going to be so much collateral damage. Like, I know you were three miles away from the battlefield when I killed Bob, the stormtrooper over here, but I'm sorry your whole family had to die, too. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's like when you see the the videos where people are idiots and they're shooting straight up in the air. I'm like, you do realize those bullets are coming back down somewhere. Like, yeah, there was I always, always think the same thing. There's a case in Indiana where a guy did that and he fired up and he ended up like killing somebody. He went to jail for it because he's just shooting in the air, just being being stupid, not intending to hurt anybody. And when the speed is going up, is the speed comes down, so yep. <laughs> it's gonna hurt. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's not a good time. One more quick thing is it so the other weapon I have is the ship on the cover is shooting out like a kind of like I don't know if it's a microwave. I haven't decided what it is yet. It's just a wave, but it's kind of like an EMP. So he's shooting at these uh, wedge-shaped guys here, and um, they're kingship drones, and they're um, going to all be d incapacitated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which? Oh, that's a question I didn't ask for the covers. Like, who did the artwork? Oh, uh, Philip Daniels. He, I got him on okay. Reedsy. He, oh my God, he's he's great to work with, and obviously did a great job. And I have not had nothing but compliments on this cover. So, did you just give him like a? a dump truck worth of information of which he wanted. No, I actually gave him like four sentences of like, here's a scene, here's a scene, here's a scene, and here's a scene. And he picked one and this is what we got. So the other thing is this, uh, the ship, you, it looks all blocky and weird. Cause I said, I don't want a streamlined ship because in space, you don't need to be streamlined. There's no aerodynamics. So yeah. You don't, you don't can be bulky. Like. Yeah. So do you foresee the ships in your universe being able to land in orbit then? Or are they sending shuttles down? They're sending shuttles so they can, so I justify the jumps uh, as, um, I call it Higgs space. Higgs is a science thing. Find it on Curiosity Stream. <laughs> There's a cult about it. Anyway. Um, so, Boson but, Higgs, yes, I'm aware. Yeah. Higgs boson. They, they, um, so there's a field that contains the ship and all the matter within it. And because they're in okay. a vacuum, there's, they, it can specify how much matter that is precisely. Whereas if you're in an atmosphere and the wind is blowing, then the matter changes while you're trying to calculate. And so you can't do that. So there's no teleportation of like people to planets or any of that. It's going to cause problems if there's atmospherics. Yeah. So you're, are you building these ships are being built in space then? And then they've just got smaller craft to take them to orbit. Yeah. Okay. So very, very Star Trekian. Kind of everybody lives in space. There's no, well, there's, there's a few planets that with varying, degrees of gravity and atmospheric issues. But for the most part, everybody lives in space. Trillions and trillions and trillions of people. And they all live in either spaceships or space stations. That's all that's left. There's no Earth. No, no domed habitats on Mars? No, I think Mars got mined to death. Philip K. Dix is mourning that you destroyed his favorite planet. Uh, I can't wait to mine Mars. Lots of iron there. God knows what else. We're going to need that for the giant spaceships. <laughs> so do you use any of the uh, mega structures like the Dyson Sphere or any of the other? Of toroids. I don't have a Dyson Sphere specifically because I think the, the engineering of that is so huge. I do have one planetoid, I call it, um, which is kind of like a Dyson Sphere with an artificial star. So it's a much smaller scale than trying to 
put it around a real star. <laughs> the engineering feat, that would probably take thousands, hundreds of thousands of years to build a Dyson Sphere. I can't even imagine. Even if it's built entirely by drones. Okay. So do you use the O'Neill cylinder to get any of those? Because that's another one that I know of because I actually researched it for a story. Megastructure. I haven't used it. Not yet. It could come into play at some point. Got to keep the variety up, you know. So is most of the individual combat when it's like not spaceship to spaceship, are they wearing like essentially stormtrooper type armor? Are they fighting in mechs? Are they fighting, I don't know, space laser? Person person. Yeah, person to person. It's light armor. Um, it's not, I would even go as far as saying like stormtrooper level of armor. Um, probably more like things that you guys would have worn. Um, Still Kevlar yeah, or maybe some sort of yeah. ceramic based armor. Yeah. Something that Which would works great. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So if, if you could live in this world, would you? <laughs> uh, I might live in certain places in this world, but like all worlds, it's messy. And so, you know. There's a few, there's a few nice vacation spots in that world that you wouldn't mind kicking yeah. it back. Yeah. Yeah. Some you gotta, you gotta have some of those. So do you, you gotta have some of those places? Do you go into any of the concepts of like transhumanisms that's popular in sci-fi? Not really. This is just people doing people things. It's I don't try to get too philosophical with it. Okay. Killing okay. people. They just gotta go in there and just murder. That's death. <laughs> Did you go full Battlestar Galactica and like bring back the old religions? I don't talk, there's zero religion talking here at all. I think <laughs> pretty sure. Pretty sure there's none. Okay. All right. Well, we've been going for a little bit and we can keep getting nerdy because we keep going on sidetracks with you. So you're definitely coming back to more of our panels. We'll have to put some together because uh, okay. you're fun to talk to. But Thanks. before we let you go, because, uh, you know, Nick still needs to eat and his wife gets really mad if we interrupt her cooking. It's, it's finger food night, man. I'll definitely get stabbed. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't let that happen. So was there anything about the Saxon saga or the Handler's Gambit that we didn't talk about that you think we should know before we? <laughs> uh, do you have another three hours? Um, I do. We we're going to have to break it up into segments. It's really about, a, a, a you know, this poor kid who's trying to, like, make it, make things right in his life. And it just just goes to shit. Everything goes to shit. So, oh, pardon my question. Everything goes bad. <laughs> no, you can say shit. Shit's yeah. okay. We don't even have to do in it, not say for work on that one. Okay. Yeah. Put a little, you can just bleep me. Has to have you bleep me. <laughs> uh, she, yeah. Hey, honey, I got work for you. Honey. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. And so, with that being said, where can listeners and viewers find you on the Wild Wild Interwebs? And as usual, we'll be linked to all of it in the show notes, including her newsletter. Uh, ingridmoon.com. It's easy. Ingridmoon.com. She makes it really, really simple for everybody. Uh, and we do have her um, her newsletter link so you can sign up and get that free story because who doesn't love a free story? 
With that being said, we would like to remind you, dear listener, dear viewer, dear reader, to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right book. So do your part. And this is especially true with new authors, like jokes aside, like they are what trigger the algorithm. So when you leave a review, you tell other readers that this book had value. You tell the algorithms that they should show more people. She makes more sales. More sales says, hey, maybe I should write the next book. Uh, and it's so it's, it's really a good thing. Although it sounds like book two is already written. Yes. It's in a kind of a second version of a 12th draft, <laughs> but it's almost done. I'm going to, I'm hoping to release it in, by the end of April. Oh, so yeah. So basically done. All right. And with that being said, you can find us on our link tree, L I N K T R dot E E link tree slash blasters and blades podcast. Again, link tree slash blasters and blades podcast, where we link to all the things, the bit shoots, the rumbles, the YouTubes, the Twitters, the email for professional business purposes, only people, the Blasters and Blades Facebook group and Facebook page. And most importantly, we've got Madam Stabby Stab over there on the Instagram, Twitters, and email. Oh, is it? Tw- it's not Twitters anymore. It's what? X? X, yeah. The X's? That just sounds dirty. <laughs> anyway, all right. So you can reach out to her too and send all the hate mail. And if you like the Ohio State University and you think I'd be smirched your alma mater, send her some love. Uh, you can find us on our website at anchor.fm slash blasters tech and tech blades again, anchor.fm slash blasters dash and dash blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you could support the show and help keep the lights on and every little bit helps, or you could support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Hanley again, buymeacoffee.com slash author J.R. Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section. It's for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-hosts duly caffeinated. They will drink the coffee brand coffee until Java pours out of their eyeballs. They will be swimming in the coffee, people. Swimming in it. You you want to see that. Maybe we'll even film it for pay-per-view or something. It'll be great. Oh, yeah. That's definitely pay-per-view. Watch my head explode from over-caffeination. Will they be hallucinating? For science. I hope so. For science people. So if you want to support the show with the coffee brand coffee, links in the show notes. Use the link. Code Podcast Grunts. You get 10% off. They kick us a little bit back in the back end. And everybody goes home happy. Maybe not sober, but you go home happy. All right. And with that being said, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co-host, I am Jared Hanley. And this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes. And all things that go boom. We did not plan a two-hour episode. I promised you we'd be done in an hour. I lied, apparently. But we got lies were spoken. Lies were spoken. All right. Thank you for sticking sticking with us. Thank you for coming by, Ingrid. Definitely having you back. And with that, I'm hitting the end button.